dude. I go straight over to McCartney and there's these pictures of him smiling at me and watching my hands and, you know, me smiling back at him. That's amazing. And I didn't, to me, he was the bass player. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it's Paul McCartney, I know. But there yeah. was, dude, Stevie Wonder was to my uh, left. Wow. Peter Wolf, Patti Smith. I mean, like, the, the whole stage was filled with everybody. Tokyo tonight. What's hey, going hey. on, man? <laughs> Wait, I want it. Let me do an entrance like one of those old news guys. There you go. I did, I did my spin. That was beautiful. They do that. You know what I love? They don't do that on sitcoms anymore. You know, when the theme songs would come on or whatever, and they would introduce yeah, yeah. the characters, they would just do that hair thing. And they were well, like, uh, Ted, Ted oh. Baxter used to do that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. That's right. Oh, Ted yeah. Baxter did do that. Yeah. And What's I your... think it, it comes from. Um, the cat that um, George Clooney played, the guy from the, the, the... oh uh, Edward R. Murrow. Yeah, I think yeah. He, I think that's how he started his show. He all now we've established I'm 180 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet though. You only said you saw the movie, so you didn't say you uh... actually watched Edward R. Murrow yet. <laughs> You're like, I saw the original. Um, I'm so glad it says dystopia tonight because for, for a week I'm going, I'm going to be on dysteria tonight. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> a totally different show. There's a, uh, a lot of people, there's there's dystopia tonight, dysteria tonight, and diphtheria tonight, which you really don't want. Diphtheria you don't tonight. want to be, yeah, not bad. Um, you know, so what I was going to say, what, what was your favorite show? Because you mentioned Ted Baxter immediately, Mary Tyler Moore show. Did you have a favorite show growing up when you were a kid? A favorite show? Well, wow. I mean, listen, uh, everybody uh, from my demographic, we loved, I was just saying this to my wife the other night, Rhoda came on. Yes. So, but I said, this makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, why is that? <laughs> this is the show we used to watch two Marys and a Rhoda at five in the morning when we got home from partying. <laughs> like those were always on. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm this is like pushing my buttons right now. Right, right, right. Earlier when I was a little, you know, when I was very young, Mm -hmm. um dick van dyke show you mentioned yep um the joey bishop show the band. you know stuff like that like sitcoms yeah. yeah those those kind of things of course i watched dennis the menace when i was a little kid oh yeah yeah speaking of old we were talking before backstage about the old uh old showbiz comics and shit like that you know the joey bishop story where um because i was going to tell you who my first comedian that i saw on tape was and my grandpa used to love jackie mason love jackie. I was, I, right great Great delivery, the whole thing. And I was a, I was a kid, and I saw him on TV, and I saw him mimicking JFK. I didn't even know what the fuck it was, but I remember literally impersonating that. And they just thought it was hilarious. This little five year old is doing a JFK impression of a comedian he saw on TV. So that was it. But did you know the Jackie Mason Joey Bishop thing? No. Uh, Jackie Mason had this great story about um, he was he was a bigger comedian than Joey Bishop at the time, but Joey right. was in the Rat Pack. And uh, it used to bother Frank like that, like when he would see that Joey, because Jackie was really good to Joey and he would like have Joey open for him. And if Frank found out and he saw the title card that it was Joey before, you know, or Joey, uh, you know, before Jackie and Jackie was headlining, he was right, right. he yeah. put a hit out on Jackie Mason. 
He did not. He fucking did. This is what this is what Jackie Mason said. Jackie's told this story. I don't know how many times. He said yeah. he put a hit out. He said he went back to his hotel room, and there was a bullet hole in his through his window and into the wall. And it was the night that Frank showed up at the club, and Jackie Frank was trying to throw Jackie Mason and heckle him, uh, and Jackie just went back at Frank and kept making fun of Frank and doing all this other shit. And then that night. He found a bullet hole through his uh, sliding glass door window into into his hotel room. Wow. Well, that's so a pleasant. Said, that's a pleasant little story. Yeah. Right. Not bad. It's just, but it's just you know it's, that's the thing. Like you don't really think of that kind of shit back in the day. Like you know what I mean? I but mean, I guess that was just whatever. Well, first of all, tell me if you agree. Uh, I would be happy to be Joey Bishop in, in the Rat Pack if I had a if I could be in the Rat Pack. I would be Joey Bishop. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, just to be in the Rat Pack. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, but but um, uh, I've been just that we have a station uh, that has the Joey Bishop show. Mm. It's got I watch Dick Van Dyke almost every night because you can't, you can't get better than Maury Amsterdam and Rosemary. Oh, I know. And I'm she's bad. got an amazing story, Rosemary. Yeah. Did you see that documentary? I did see the doc. That oh, was man. that was that phenomenal. Was yeah. Yeah. But um, Joey Bishop was so deadpan on the show, and it was like Abby Dalton, Joe Besso was his you know super. Right? Yep. And, oh, and, and wait a minute, wait a minute. Corbett Monica was his manager. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about it. I haven't seen that in so long, but holy shit. But he was so deadpan. Yeah. Right? And he and his line was what? Son of a gun. Son of a, yep. Which yeah, was man. edgy then, which I think is adorable. Which was, which was probably edgy then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I grew up I grew up watching the Ed Sullivan show with my family. I mean, I grew up in the Bronx, you know, until right. I was like 13. Well, did they know, did your family know you wanted to go into music? Um... Well, I mean, I've been playing guitar since I'm nine, and and okay. I, the short story of that is that I saw the like sixty four, sixty five. I saw the Stones and the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. Now, if you ask fifty musicians that are around my age, they'll tell you that exact story because it's true. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, I just saw something in more of this. I mean, obviously, I love the Beatles, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, the Stones. When I saw Keith Richards, I just was like, interesting. You know, like, like I saw something that I, I saw something that I identified with. Like, I was very shy and quiet as a kid, which mm. changed obviously. And um, uh, I, you know, I felt a little left and center, which is so. This is all perfect for either being a musician or a comic or a serial killer. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, they do line up pretty well. They do line up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, there was something, and they looked messy. You know, they looked like I felt kind of. Mm. You know, all yeah. And and yeah. um, and the girls were screaming, uh, you know. And then that for a shy kid um, with braces, you know, mm -hmm. that seemed like a plus. Right. And, and also, and the and the best part that I noticed even then um, was when they went. You know, when Ed would bring after they finished, Ed would bring them over to say hi and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, Ed completely looked, um, you know, ancient. No, well, that <laughs> and you know what, he was probably way younger than yeah. we think. You know. Yeah. No, he looked he he looked horrified, kind of like like. Right. It's like that famous when Dean Martin was hosting the uh, Hollywood Palace, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and he had the stones on, and he said some really snide remark and rolled his eyes, and all of a sudden the next day the stones sold like fourteen million records. Dude, yeah. You know, and and for a kid, which is how it always how it works now. Like you, you right, just, you don't want to be like your parents, so you you see something that aggravates your parents, and it's like yeah, I'm in. Yeah. So that's yeah. where I that's where I find first knew what I wanted to do. There was always music playing in the house. My we 
when my parents got divorced, we lived with my grandparents for a while mm-hmm. uh, until my mom. We all lived in the same building. That's what people do, you know, back then. Right. Yeah. Um, all the, the all the families, but um, uh, my grandparent, my grandma, my grandmother was always playing, um, Glenn Miller, Sinatra. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, who well, you know, everybody could have Dean Martin, but uh harry james so i always heard that music which is might be why i love all kinds of music and yeah. then we'd sit and watch this you know T- sullivan show and we'd see the our my generation uh, and i was just like floored and i asked my mom for a guitar wow. and and i I, can't, I don't know the timeline but she brought me um uh her boss gave me a, a little acoustic guitar no name acoustic mm-hmm. which is in the rock hall now which is pretty cool wow and and she you know brought it home to me and you know how everybody like i feel like everybody does something special right yeah, yeah. life distracts you some people never find it those right. of us that find it are very lucky um you know maybe you were funny uh, uh as a kid you know right um but but um i i i kind of like i could listen to a song on the radio and i could pick the notes out on the guitar I'm wow. not saying I did it well because I was only nine years old, but yeah, you played right here. And the one thing I remember is I played um, "Happy Together" by the Turtles in front of my class. That's a great song. In, in the Bronx, yeah, right. I probably I probably wasn't even close to "Happy Together," but <laughs> I, that's what I was going for. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I stood in front of the class, so I knew I had no fear. Uh, and then the second thing, my my mom. Uh, you know, we used to go up to the country, like like they'd get a bungalow, right? Does anybody know the word bungalow? Anymore? Oh my god! <laughs> right. And I went to day camp. It's the word of the day, kids. Yes, bungalow. <laughs> um, and I uh, I went to day camp, you know, up up in upstate New York, right? Mm-hmm. And they were having a show. They were putting on a show, and and I didn't tell my mom anything. And my mother comes to the show at my aunt, and I'm standing on the stage, and and and, and you know, the we're doing a song. There's probably 30, 40 kids behind me. And I am my name. They introduced me as Rich Miller. Oh my God! Which is Mitch Miller, who was an orchestra leader, who actually worked with Sinatra, is when he ran the record company for a while. And um, I had a little painted, a thin painted mustache on, you know. (laughs) And I was leading the band. And after that, my mother said, "What? What is? What is this? Like, how long has this been going on?" (laughs) Right, right. So, so that's I've always loved that. I've always loved being in front of people hamming it up a little bit were they uh were your was anybody else in your family talented like musically or well, artistic or anything my grandmother um my i'm sorry my grandfather when we lived with them he played he came from a big family a lot of brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and they all i guess you know before i was born they used to sit around and everybody played an instrument so my my grandfather played the hawaiian lap steel which i have oh which I my still god have, that's so right? cool it's like a 1928 you know early uh, pre-epiphone uh, Hawaiian steel. And I try, whenever I do a record, I try to get it on something, like even if it's just in the background. Right. I, I hardly know how to play it, but uh, so there was that, you know, and, and I remember once or twice him sitting down with me and playing, um, he had the original, I still have the original book that came with it, the Alvino Ray book. Wow. Now, Alvino Ray was a guy that was, he was, he was always on Sullivan. It was Hel- Alvino Ray and his talking guitar. Right. And he'd go, hello. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, there's, there's, I mean, it was mainly him. There was, there was nobody else, uh, 
you know, my dad was a bartender. My but they say father. it skips a generation, so that's that makes sense. If it was your grandfather, and then and then not your parents, but then you. Yeah, and I just, I just very early on, I latched on to like Jerry Lewis. Like yeah. I, I watched all the Jerry Lewis. I watched the telethon every year from when I was a little kid. Wow. Uh, you know, I was one of those kids that I, I wouldn't, you know, saw that I, I would wait. I couldn't wait to stay up. My mother would let me stay up that night to see the three in the morning Vegas part where you would see the Rat Pack. Like, I love that stuff. Like when I was a little kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Getting to stay up late and see that shit made it 10 times more special. Yes. And then even worse. So when like, for some reason you weren't allowed to, then I wanted it even more. I'm like, why can't yeah. I watch, you know, whatever the fuck the guy is saying. Um, so show business out. So I was always loving that. And comedians, like I read Lenny Bruce's book when I was like, you know, 13. Oh, wow. His, his, uh, Good age. To I have that book too. Yeah. Talk Dirty. What is it Talk called? Talk Dirty to Me. Talk Dirty to Me. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I had this paperback copy when I was 13 years old. Always. I could do his stuff that I remember, you know? Thank yeah. you, Mass Man. What was the first comic <laughs> you saw live? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to say that it was when I was a young teenager mm -hmm. and um, I was in bands in the city. You know, by mm -hmm. this time we moved out to Queens. Right. And, and, but, and I was hanging out in the city. So I was in these bands in the city. And I joined this band, New York Central. Um, and they, were on, uh, they had a single out on RCA. I joined the band. And to make okay. money to keep us going, we would play the Pines Hotel in the Catskills. Oh, nice. You know, for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, and and basically, if it was a school weekend, we'd be up there all week. But otherwise, it was on the weekends we'd drive up there. So yeah. we were the rock band, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and we all love comedy. We love the Marx Brothers, you know, the Ritz Brothers. You know, we just, all of us right. in the band. So when we finished our set, we would, we would go into the big room and we would see the Catskills comics. Nice. So I'm going to say... You know, any of those guys, I can't remember which ones was first. It could have been Dick Capri. It could have been Freddie Roman. It could have been um, um, Charlie Callis. Oh. It, it could have been, uh, 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 did I say Melzi? Melzi no, Vaughn. No, you didn't say yet. No, he's great. Um, and and there, were, uh, there were like duets. I remember there was a guy and a girl. One, one I can't remember their names. I always forget them. She, she did like an olive oil imitation. And he, you know, it was like one was tall and thin and one was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! It's uh, I know exactly oh, who you're please, talking if, about. If you know this, man, I really do. I I it'll uh, it'll come to me like the fucking Riddler's name what we were talking about before. God, I I know. I'll think of it. I'll think of it. It'll come to me. So these comedians, like they were, we see the same ones every weekend because right. they they went from the Pines Hotel. Maybe they did play at eight o'clock at the Pines Hotel, and then they'd play the uh, the Raleigh at ten, and then they would go and they play the Concord at midnight, the late set. Right. So I fell in love with comedy and the timing, the jokes, uh, the way the crowd reacted. And right. we got to hang out with them because um, they had the coffee shop in the hotel in the Pines Hotel. Now, remember, they would keep all of the musicians. <laughs> they would keep all the musicians um, and the comedians. We all stayed in the same part of the hotel, right? Off oh, away awesome. from, all off away from the re regular paying customers because right, they right, probably right. would rape and pillage the people <laughs> or something. So we were in we were in the damp, you know, rusty pipes section sure. of the Pines Hotel. Right. You know, but we would all we would do the show and then everybody at two in the morning would sit in the coffee shop. And and like I do now when I sit with my musician friends and we tell mm -hmm. stories, these cats would tell stories about being on Sullivan and, you know, being on this show and the Hollywood Palace. And 
Um, and I just sat there with my mouth, mouth hung open listening to these guys. And then many years later, Broadway, Danny Rose came out and I said, dude, it was that. Wow. You know, it was just that every, every weekend, like, you know, at two in the morning, that's where everybody uh, gathered. I'll tell you, there was a guy, uh, and you can't even do this anymore, but um, <laughs> um, the piano player, the musical director at the Pines Hotel was named Billy Alfred, Billy Alfred Jr., right? Mm. Um, very nice guy. And when, and whoever was up there, uh, and I won't tell you that what Malsey said, cause I don't think you could say these things anymore, but, um, uh, and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please say a little, our musical, Billy Alfred Jr. And Billy Alfred would be one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, you know, a little thing off the, right. Well, it became a thing, you know, like in the dining room, all the musicians would, sit together too like 40 people musicians right. and you know there was like there was like a, a like a jazz trio and there was a, like the big band and there was the rock band and then the comedians and this and that and the okay. magicians we'd all they put us all separate again once again right um so every time billy alfred would walk in 30 people would just go right <laughs> so many many years later when i was with joan in the blackhearts we opened for robert plant right so <laughs> i told that story like I love telling these stories. I, I told that story to the Robert Plant to Robert and to the crew, and 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 I could be I could be walking to catering backstage at like a like a, a Madison Square Garden place, and Robert and all of his crew and, and and the whole bit they're all sitting there eating, and I just have to go, Billy Alfred Jr. and Robert Plant and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Was it was one of them Mitzi McCall, the other comedian? Yes. And the other one is. Um... Wait, Mitzi McCall? No, that's not who I'm talking about. The, not the tall one? That's way that's way bigger than what I'm talking about. Way bigger? <laughs> Fuck. Mitzi McCall and I, isn't Mitzi McCall the one with her husband that didn't uh, get to, Charlie that, Brill? Charlie Brill and Mitzi McCall are they the two that got booted from Sullivan because of the Beatles? I think there's a famous I, story. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then wait, then who, so then the other ones yeah, are- you know, right, now there's like, right now there's 20 year olds going, who the fuck are these people I know, I know, fuck them. Uh, <laughs> wait, this, I will, we'll get it. I'm trying to think. So they're, they're not as famous, they weren't as famous then. No, I'll, I'll get back to you. So I'll find all right, out. All right, we'll figure it out, yeah. I, I got the the bass player, Mike Mike Neville, we talk, he was the bass player up there. He'll, he'll know it in a heartbeat. He'll know it in a heartbeat, okay, good. As long as somebody figures it out, because I was gonna say, this is, I'm like racking my brain. Yeah, and they did an olive oil. Like he said, we look like salt shakers. There was some stupid joke that he'd say. <laughs> I, I can't remember what it was, but but it was, but dude. And and let's let's be clear. Like we complained about every second of being up there. Oh sure, yeah. You know, but when I look back at it now, it was so wonderful. Yeah. You know, we, I'm talking about the early '70s. So we would play Honky Tonk Woman, and I don't know. We would do everything. We would do like Green River, like all these really '70s songs, and then. Right. And all the teens would be there while the parents were drinking in the other room, right? Right, right. Uh, and, and then we would, uh, and of course, as the band, it was our job to try to score with the teenagers. Sure. That's what you do when you're, you know, 17. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Is that like, what made you split between music and comedy? Because you seemed to have a, a real high interest in comedy, but you didn't go that way. You went music. And I yeah, like, I mean, I never even, I, you know. You're like, I don't see Freddie Roman getting blown by, you know what I mean? Like, but but I'm pretty sure the other guys are. I don't know. We'll have to call Freddie and ask him about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I would love, I would have, I always say this now. Like, mm -hmm. I would have been just as happy 
I mean, I've had my career is marvel, ma marvelous. As marvelous. <laughs> you all look marvelous. Oh, marvelous. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I've done, I did exactly what I wanted to do when I was 13. Nice. Uh, that, it, I mean, that's amazing. Without, without the money. Without the money. Right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, well, they, I mean, your parents put a guitar in your hand. Your mom yeah. did anyway. You know, I mean, were they nervous when you were like, no, I'm going to do this for real? I, I, my mom. And if you, if you watch the, um, the uh, Rock Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We yeah. were inducted in 2015. You watched my speech. Yeah. You see, I said, I said, my mother never said to me, "Hey, kid, when are you going to get a real job?" Right, right. You know, and you know, talking about comedy, when it was time to do, when we, we were being inducted, I'm telling you right now, I sat down with a blank piece of paper, and I said, "I'm going to make people laugh." If nice. it's, a, I'm going to Neil Simon the shit out of this freaking speech. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I got us, I got some laughs, and I was so proud of that. Like, I watch I, it every year, and I remember the year you got inducted. Yeah, and, I, and we got to play with uh, McCartney and Ringo. It was like, yeah, that is which is like, is that? But when you when you get that opportunity and you get to play with McCartney and Ringo, do you automatically go back to when you were a kid? Does like everything you've done, like, are you just that excited, or do you black out and just okay. go, "I'm going to do this," and then think about it later? Great question. I've been so I've been doing interviews for like a year for the Sobering Times record, right? So yeah. everybody always asks me that question, mm -hmm. and I could tell you completely honestly. In the moment, I didn't even flinch. Wow. Like, yeah. when I look at the pictures now, because some people took some, I have great giant pictures of, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story about that. Right. You go to soundcheck. So I didn't play with Joan that night. Like, Joan mm -hmm. had a new band, which was fine. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I gave my speech. And then um, the producer said, you know, you're going to play in the, in the, uh, uh, in the finale. I'm going to put you right next to joe walsh and i'm like okay this is getting oh, better right. all the time that's so great and and um so soundcheck uh paul schaefer was the musical director and the late most of the late night band you know and i know those guys for ages like yeah, yeah. i did the letterman a couple of times with joan i did it once with roger daltrey so oh. so schaefer so there was like me joe walsh billy joe white um um, um gary clark jr you know, there were about five guitar players up there. Yeah. And, and Paul Schaefer. So we did um, a little help for my friends and we did, I want to be your man. And you know, I want to be your man. Schaefer said, okay, so each one of you takes a solo. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he went to each one of us and he said, okay, uh, Joe, you go first. Uh, uh, Billy Joe second. Ricky, you go third. Da, da, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was like, cool. So McCarty's center mic, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm not that far from him. I, I can't remember who was between us, but and my brain just went, my New York uh, Bronx boy brain just said, okay, I'm never going to get this chance again. <laughs> I said, when he taps me on the shoulder, I'm going right over to McCartney and I'm going to just play some rock and roll right in his face. Oh, nice. You know, and, and so I did, we did the sound check, you know, and I kind of kept my eye on where everybody was. Yeah. You know, and I, and I noticed there was a little hesitation for people to get, to get really close to him. Mm -hmm. But Paul is just like this lovely guy who's a rock and roll guy, man. He started in, in the clubs, right? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So when it came time for the for the finale, Paul taps me on the shoulder, dude. I go straight over to McCartney, and there's these pictures of him smiling at me and watching my hands, and you know, me smiling back at him. That's amazing. And I didn't. To me, he was the bass player. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's Paul McCartney, I know. But there yeah. was dude, Stevie Wonder was to my uh, left. Wow. Peter Wolf, Patti Smith. I mean, like <sighs> the, the whole stage was filled with everybody yeah um yeah. Uh, and uh um so that that that's the night but when i look at it now 
and I see a picture, like there's a little screenshot somebody took and sent me of me, uh, you know, playing my solo, McCartney, right? And Ringo mm. playing drums behind us. And I'm like, Oy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, frame that. What, what's the backstage vibe like? Are you guys swapping road stories? Are you, are you, are you At doing... night? Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there was no real backstage because we were all sitting at tables. Right. For the Dude, the induction, it's like five hours long or something. You know, and they edit it down to an hour and a half or whatever. Oh, wow, I never knew that. Oh, my God. It's so long. Because everybody takes forever. Yeah, because they edit a lot of stuff down. Edit sure. speeches out. But, um, no, so we're all sitting at the table. And we were mm-hmm. sitting right in the front. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there was one moment Stevie Wonder was standing, like, he, he was brought up on stage. I Did he do something with Bill Withers, maybe? Yes. And Bill Withers was so sweet. I ran into him. Uh, may he rest in peace. Hmm. Um, I said that like an old Jewish comic, didn't I? You, I did. I did <laughs> say did. it like that. You interrupted yourself very nicely, Catskill style. <laughs> May he rest, May in, he peace. rest in peace. All I got to do now is say my hand to God. This is the exactly. Truth. And and if you can squeeze in a God forbid at some point, <laughs> golden. So uh, so so uh, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, right, about no, we're sitting at tables, right? Bill Withers. I ran into him at like seven a.m. at the Starbucks, and he was. Mm-hmm. We just started chatting. He was like the nicest, sweetest guy. Everybody awesome. was amazing that night. Everybody yeah. was so sweet. So we were sitting at the table, and Stevie Wonder was – he's got some sensors or something. He's got something going on. He was standing – right. he walked up the steps. They, you know, they walked him up the steps, and he was standing there waiting to be introduced to go sit yeah. down with Bill Withers. And, and me and Carol were sitting there going, oh, my God, he's going to fall off the stage. Like he was right <laughs> at the edge of the stage. But no – He's got oh like he's got like Spidey senses. <laughs> <laughs> what if they put sensors on his shoes, like those little AI robots that get to a corner and they're like they freak out? Yeah, like when you back your car up and it beeps when yeah. it's too far. <laughs> I was picturing a Roomba, like a Roomba <laughs> yeah. bounces into a corner. <laughs> yeah, TV but just so, spins so around. That was a wonderful night, and and uh, so so at the party afterwards, we were I cornered two great things happened that 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 after party. I sat down with Steve Cropper and he was telling oh, me stories. Nice. Dude, he told me the story when Otis Redding first came into the studio and, you know, he was a truck driver and he said, Hey man, can I come in and show you? Can I sing for you? Can I sing for you? Wow. And, and, and they, they were doing, uh, you know, they were working on something else, you know, and, and no, no, we're busy. And the, <laughs> the drummer came in um, uh, and said, there's this guy outside. He wants to sing. Oh, bring him in. It was Otis Redding. And he steps oh, up to man. the mic and that that's oh, how man. it started. Yeah. And the other thing was we were talking to McCartney. We were standing here talking. I said, and I just recorded something on um, eight track. So the thing is now we have too many, like we have pro tools, we have digital. So you have, you could keep recording until the cows come home. Right. Right. And, and you, you, there's, you don't even have to make choices. You could cut, you could paste, you could do this. Well, obviously back then, if you wanted to edit, you had to take a razor blade and cut the tape. Right. Yeah. And then put it back together. So I was so excited to do this like demo on eight track, and I'm and I'm like an idiot. I go to McCartney, yeah, man. It was so weird. Like, I did this eight track um, recording in a real studio, and it's like I had to make decisions. You know, <laughs> I, I had to make decisions on the spot, and he just looks at me, and goes, "We did it on two. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, Ooh. "Yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> You know what oh, I love? Did you see I that? Didn't, I didn't realize that, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Anybody a high squeaky feeling? voice. Yeah. <laughs> Hop on. Wow, is it getting late? I got to take off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, you taste? Do you taste shoe? I taste shoe. Uh, <laughs> um, did you see that documentary that he did with Rick Rubin? I did not see that yet. Is it amazing? Oh, it's so yeah. fucking good, dude. And the thing I, I was going to say, the thing I like about it, because you were talking about recording and stuff, is they actually bring um, the equipment in for the documentary, and they're messing around with the old tracks. And you, ne I never get to see. I've never seen how any of that works. So it just blew me away that they could take something out, put something in. He was remixing like some of his old, like just kind of going like, oh, I really like the way. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's, he's just complimenting himself for like most of it, too. He's like really did a great job with that track actually yeah. you don't need to touch it at all <laughs> and i'm like we get it paul we get it you're really and, impressed and, and you know he's we went to see him a few years ago um brian ray the guitar player is, is you should get him on the show he's great okay uh, he's just one of his guitar players Sweet. um and he was you know uh generous enough to get his tickets and and uh i'll tell you from the minute he came out on stage his voice is top notch oh yeah you know i mean he's just unbelievable yeah. the band sounds amazing um it's it's just a, it's it's beautiful to see people still i mean this has never happened before like rock and roll got old yeah, yeah. It, you know he never saw this before like like right. back in the days like i guess some of the swing guys you know the swing band guys they were still touring the country when they were in 50s and their 60s sure. but and you, rock don't, and roll, you don't picture those guys mixing it's the same way like whenever i think of like you just said dean martin introducing the stones that still blows my fucking mind yeah yeah like that they were in the same room together that they listened to the same you know i always wanted to know what sinatra thought of the beatles there's not much where he's you know really oh, talking about i just him. read a book called uh, the chairman oh like i you know i I'm, I'm like a huge i've seen sinatra like three times right um actually we played with we the black Hearts played the chicago fest wow with sinatra not with him like he played at eight o'clock yeah yeah so, you know, Chicago Fest is right on the water, right? Yeah. yeah. So he played at eight o'clock. And so there's his stage, there's his crowd. Then there was a fence. Then there was our stage, right? And we went on at, at 11 or whatever it was. But um, they 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 came to the trailer and they took us and, and put some of us on the side of the stage. So I got to watch Frank sing, you know, my kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, uh, there was that and then there was a time i took my mom we're all over the place but this is good no this is fine yeah. it's like a blow rap but straight um, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about dwayne allman pretty soon <laughs> um, so so uh i took my mom to i think it was radio city or carnegie hall to see sinatra and he was he was getting on he was reading off the uh you know the teleprompter and stuff which yeah. which, which i do now by the way um, <laughs> and uh um I said, let's go before, you know, we get there, we get out of the cab. I said, let's go um, wait for him to come in. Mm -hmm. And so we go to the side of the stage, you know, and I played Radio City and yeah. Carnegie Hall with various, you know, I played with Roger Daltrey and one of them. And I played with Joan at Radio right. City, I think it was. But um, so we're standing on the side and, and, and it was it was like one person. It was like a little Italian lady in front of me, in front of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. See, I'm trying to shove my mother out of the story already. Uh, <laughs> And she was in, she had like like a box of candy or something. It could have been a cannolis or something. Right. So we're waiting. We're, like, we're there like 10 minutes or something like that. And all of a sudden, the limo pulls up and Sinatra, Barbara Sinatra gets out first, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And Frank gets out. And it was that time where he was wearing the baseball cap and the baseball jacket. Like yeah, Ellie I know that. Rogers. Yep. Yeah. And, he, and, and she says, hey, he's Frank. The, coach. the little lady goes, Frankie, Frankie. And he, he walks over and he wasn't that big. He was, it wasn't a tall man. Right. Yeah. He walks over and he's standing like, like a foot away from me and my mother. And I look at my mother and I started crying. 
Wow. wow. Like I was like, it's freaking Sinatra. Yeah. Holy crap. Like yeah. he's like right, like I could shake his head. He's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's incredible. But, yeah. So like that kind of stuff, that leads me to the to the Jerry Lewis story. Nice. So love Jerry Lewis. So we yeah. went to see him, and I don't want to say anything bad about Jerry Lewis <clears throat> because I love yeah, him to death. And yeah. and you know, if there's anything, my favorite thing to do in life is just in the middle of an elevator crowded with people, it's to scream "Lady" at the top of my lungs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just 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 to see the look of the hell of it. Yeah. I almost did a spit take. But, um, <laughs> So we go to, uh, we see him at the YMCA mm -hmm. and he was a little cruel <laughs> to people. Like his answers were a little yeah, biting. It's, it's, I remember uh, talking to somebody who knew him really well. And it was basically like, if you were going to lunch with them, they, they would just be like, what Jerry are we getting today? It'd just be like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna I mean, if, if you ever saw that, I don't want to digress from the story, but if you saw that, little youtube thing where that young report the, the young uh i have and he just complete no no he, he one word answers for the whole thing yep but listen he also had back problems you know we don't oh, know yeah. what's going on inside somebody's head he was on prednisone for fucking yeah. ever you know what i mean like that was so 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 we see that then we go to see damn yankees right oh and and he was mar i was gonna say marvelous again what is going on with me <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut out some marvelouses don't worry yeah, uh, I'll be doing the. Uh, um, I got a split week at the Concord if anybody's interested in, uh, <laughs> in July. But uh, does anybody ever say split week anymore? Is that just like <laughs> no one? No one but Tom and I knows what you're talking about. Okay. So, um, Dreesen is another one of those guys we saw. But Tom Dreesen is yeah. a great guy. All over this. So we go see that. And after I say, Carol, we got to go. I got to go backstage. I mean, I got to mm. go to the backstage door. Right. And he comes out. We're waiting there for like 20, 25 minutes, maybe even longer. He comes right. out and he's got his kid in his arm. Ah, so he doesn't have to sign autographs. Nice, smart. right? Yeah. He's wearing a cashmere coat and he smells just like a Hollywood guy, like a Hollywood <laughs> movie star from the 60s. Right. Do you yeah. can you smell what I'm saying? I, I yes. immediately when you said it, it just engulfed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It could be like old spice or it could be he's probably too old high spice. Canoe. A little bit of canoe. Yeah, there you go. Canoe. canoe. Yeah. So a little so, bit of cigarette smoke, maybe a cigar. So I go, I go, Jerry, like that, right? And I swear to you, he turns to me and he goes, like that. <laughs> and I and I was completely satisfied with that. That was yeah. like he gave me the Hollywood snub. Nice, that was beautiful. You know? Yeah, you should yeah. have fainted. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry would have just stepped over it <laughs> with the kid in his hands. Yeah. So you know those. Like people ask me, somebody asked me in an interview last week, like, who would you like to play with? Like, who, mm. who would you like to uh, meet? Okay. Musicians, I don't know. Like, I, I've met and played with a lot of the people yeah. that I grew up listening to because I do yeah. all of these events that I'm asked to be in the all-star band. So I, you know, if you look at my resume, it's impressive because I get, I played with yeah. like uh, Al, uh, not Al Green, Smokey Robinson and uh, Brian Wilson and this one and yeah. that one. Like three songs here, three songs there. Baseball players, if you notice, I have my Mickey Mantle bobblehead mm -hmm. yeah. doll. I was born October 20th, uh, 56, and he was born October 20th, and his best year was 56. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so there, and he liked to drink. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and CC uh, Sabathia, right? 
Oh, wow. Right? Um, I got more scattered all over the place. But so I, I love meeting Yankees. You nice. Those are your, um, those, like even, even like among the rock stars and stuff like that, are the, like the Yankees, like those kind of guys, your main heroes? Oh, yeah. But I mean, I could have. Like I would love to play Maggie Mae with Rod Stewart once. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd like to you know hang out with Keith Richards, of course. I got a twist on that question that yeah. they've they've been asking you, uh, that we've been asking people too, is not who would you like to play with, but who would you like to be in the audience watching you play, either dead or alive? Well, I wouldn't want them watching me dead, so there's that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be awkward. I gotta say, not you, not you. No, no, them even. I that even. Yeah. Who would you want watching you? I'd, I'd lean in and I'd go, "Is he okay?" <laughs> that was the big surprise. John has them dug up and put in your audience. Like you, somebody, somebody hold a beer up to his mouth like they do in the old movies. You're <laughs> next. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. next. <laughs> um, so. Well, we had one experience. The Blackhearts played five nights at the Lundfontaine Theater, yeah. which, dude, John Barrymore played, man. Oh, wow. You yeah. know. Um, and uh, David Bowie was there, and he was sitting up in a box. Holy shit. You know, above us. Not not in a little box like you put cats in. I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> I like how we veered into literal. We're like, not a real box. Everybody's going to check this yeah. Just in case everybody. For somebody's out there going, David Bowie was sitting in a box? <laughs> wow. No, he was sitting in a box, you know, like one of those Abe Lincoln boxes. <laughs> uh, and, and, and he was looking down and we were playing Rebel Rebel. And I was looking up and go, wow, this is like surreal, man. Oh, my God. But first of all, playing the Lundfontein Theater. Right. Is surreal. And, and, and David Bowie. So, yeah. so somebody told me a story. Since now we're into Broadway. Somebody told me a story of, you know, when you go see somebody that's a friend of yours or something and you go see their band or something and they're just awful. Oh God. Yeah. All the but time. you have to go backstage and you have to say something. Yep. Right. So somebody told me a story of Helen Hayes was in this awful play. Oh God. Um, you could, you, you should have like a, 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 like a thing going up explaining who Helen Hayes is. <laughs> I'll and, do it in the editing room. <laughs> right. And, and, and John Gilgood, I think it was the person. It could have been any, and one of those guys that did mm. Shakespeare was at it and it was just awful so after so he goes back and he knocks on helen's door and she says come in <laughs> and and he says he she, he goes helen and she goes thank you <laughs> that's phenomenal that's Holy a broadway shit. story man that's great um i know you probably you know talked about this a lot but take me yeah. from your first band to the black hearts like what was the in between and how did you get there um, oh my God! I'll give you the the Reader's Digest version. Uh, another reference from 1947. <laughs> we don't what have is, to pay for these references, do we? <laughs> what, is this, what is this Reader's Digest he speaks of? <laughs> well, Reader's Digest, if you don't know, is was a book. Actually, my grandparents used to get it at the house, right? I think my mom it, still gets it. It's a, it was a little book that had like like sort of like uh, long stories shortened. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. probably a better way to say that. <laughs> the, the abridged edition of the—that's what they were going to call it originally, but they couldn't fit it. They were like, even that's long, too long. Long stories shortened. Shortened, right. yeah. Um, uh, so, um, if that's not the title of your autobiography, by the way, I'll be pissed. No, you, the title <laughs> of my autobiography is going to be, and I want this on my tombstone too. Uh, you live, you die, and every once in a while, you get a good sandwich. <laughs> that's a good one. That yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. That's going to be the title of this episode. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> now I have it on three things. 
so um so i started playing at nine right we moved to queens i started hanging out mm. i started meeting musicians in school junior high school yeah. and uh um <laughs> So now there's, you know, you know where the term garage bands come from. So I, I, we lived in an apartment. My, some of my friends had houses near us in Queens. Right. I was in Flushing, Queens. And um, we started playing in bands. So I'm talking about the times where, like, um, we were doing Tommy. So 69, right? Okay. So somewhere yeah. around now. Yeah. So I was like 14, 13, whatever it was. And, and so we're trying to learn Tommy. And we're playing, like, the Jewish Center. We're playing the, the Catholic school. We're playing, you know, dances. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's that. Now I'm a little older. I start hanging out in the city. Right. Was, with phony proof, of course. Right. Um, yeah. And I started hanging out at the famous, you know, the infamous rock clubs like Nobody's. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd walk into Nobody's and Jimmy Page could be sitting at the bar. Right. Fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Max's Kansas City. Very famous. Right. Where like Iggy Pop played there and Aerosmith played there and like, you know, and yeah. then there was CBGB's. I wasn't really like a punk kid. I, I was more of like one. a. I mean, I grew up, my favorite bands were like the Stones, Rod Stewart and the Faces, you know, yeah, yeah. so I was more of like, I was wearing like a velvet jacket, like when I was like 18, 17, <laughs> you know, on the seven That's train, amazing. on, on yeah. the se seven train coming from Flushing, you know, <laughs> with like boots with heels this high, right? <laughs> so weird. That's one I don't know. So CBGB's was a punk place? But CBGB's was a punk place yeah. on the ballet, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's where the Cannot... Ramones, that's pretty much where the Ramones uh, played. There were some nice. places in Queens, actually, also, where Kiss played without makeup, before makeup. Oh, wow. Um, and and so, I, so I was part of that scene as a, mm -hmm. as a young guy. You know, the New York Dolls, those, right. those bands, uh, the Mercer Art Center. Like, if you remember that 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 show that was kind of, I don't know, it was about... Uh, it was about rock and roll in the in the city back in the seventies. It was a, a mini series. Oh, um, yeah, that's a that was a great fucking. Mini was Ray series. Romano? Ray Ra Romano was in it, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was called. Um, oh my fuck! This is what is going on. It's, yeah, this it's, is happening a lot with you. Bro. Yeah, I know it's really bad, but I watched that show. It was a great show. It was called. Um, oh my. Okay, well, you said it was a great show, so you must be thinking of something else. No, 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 no. I know this show. It was, uh, it was like the fucking... Look, he's um, Googling it. Vinyl. Vinyl, okay. Yeah. So they had the... I was like role. record, record player, uh, record album. I was like, what's the fucking... It's they, round. They had... Um, they had... Uh, the Mercer Rock Center was in that, right? And it didn't mm -hmm. look anything like that. Right. But it was all like sort of very velvety. and I can't explain what it was like. It was, it was this really cool place. So I was part of that scene. Okay. Then I joined this band, uh, New York Central, that we, we spoke of before. Oh, and yeah. I started playing the Catskills. Mm -hmm. And that was a great learning ground, you know? Right. Um, is it learning ground? Is that right? Or did I just make up a term? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think you took, I think you took two different expressions and put them together, but we're going to allow it. Learning yeah. ground. Learning, yeah, learning experience and stomping ground. Yeah. Okay. That's what he did. Yeah. Uh, so there was, then there was that. Then um, uh, I meet Carol, and I, I joined this band. Well, first of all, we had a paper in New York City that does, I, it might exist, but it, it's nothing now. It was like this thick. It was called The Village Voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So The Village Voice, I don't know, it had articles like famous writers, you know, beat writers and guys from the village and stuff. But in the back was the classified. And then it was also the listing of everybody who was playing. It's like, okay. it's funny because Elton John played the garden last night and Carol says, how come I didn't know he was playing? And I said, because there's no Village Voice. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You would know, like as a kid, it was free, so you would get it and you would look and see who's playing at Max's, who's playing here, who's playing at you know, 
Yeah. Um, so I, I had I a friend was, who tried to start something up like that again, and it did not, for some reason, man, it just did not take off. He even that, tried to make it digital kind of, with captures and shit. That kind of paper. Yeah. That kind of paper. Yeah. He had them in all the things they were free, but nothing. Yeah. Every, you know, everything changes. I, yep. I don't know. I'm, mm. I don't get that upset with stuff. Once I tore down the original Yankee stadium, I was, I was like, eh. <laughs> it's like, it's all over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't get upset anymore. Right. But, um, uh, so so I saw there was an ad from a band from Boston that was moving down to New York. They were called right. Susan, S-U-S-A-N. Okay. Not okay. that I had to spell the word Susan, but I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to help. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make a great quick cut of all these little asides. It's going to be amazing. I was, just, I was just trying to be helpful, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. This is so, so great. So, uh, uh, so I see this band. So I called them, and I wound up joining the band. They moved to New York. Uh, and then I met Carol. We started dating and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And she became, she was friends before me with Tommy Mottola, right? Okay. Man, you know, head of Sony, managed yeah. Mariah Carey, went out with, married Ma Mariah Carey. Right. Um, Lives down uh, the road. Does he? <laughs> no, it's a song. <laughs> wait for it. Wait, wait for it. Two, three, four. But um, so yeah. she, she brought him down to see us at a rehearsal. He signed us to his production company, right? Mm -hmm. We did a record for RCA. Uh, and by the way, we went up to RCA and the guy made the mistake to say to me, and we said it to all of us. He said, and it was all vinyl, of course. We're talking about sure. 1977. He said, yeah. hey, guys, take anything you want. I walked out with every Elvis album, every, like, <laughs> like do me a favor. Do you got a trunk that I can borrow <laughs> with wheels, a trunk with wheels? Um, so uh, so we did a record. We toured the country with um, uh, Graham Parker and the Roomba. Oh, nice. That was, that was my first tour. Wow. We get to L.A. We stay at the, the famous, which is way gone now, uh, uh, Tropicana Hotel. Okay. Which was a motel. It wasn't even a hotel. <laughs> uh, uh, you know. And uh, it was like, uh, yeah, it was, it was bordering on CD, but it was a famous rock and roll hotel. Motel. Okay. okay. Uh, the Hyatt was the hotel that the, the bands that were actually making money were staying at. Yeah, the Hyatt on Sunset. Yeah. Or the Riot House, as they called it, right? Right. So so we're staying at this hotel. I'm sitting out by the pool, you know, and I'm sitting there and, and I'm just hanging out. And I'm like soaking this all in. I'm on tour. We're, you know, we're playing. We're going to be playing uh, the um, the Rainbow. Not the Rainbow. The, the, the place that's attached to it that has the music. Oh, yeah. That That place. Don't yeah, bother. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not important I'll, to the story. I'm just going to start editing these in later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be me like the. Boop, boop, boop. But you got to get a British guy to put the voiceover on. <laughs> it's like like one word, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's in our budget. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, dude, and and I look to my left, and Marianne Faithful sitting like three chairs down from me, just sitting there, you know, hanging out, reading a book. The Roxy. Yes, the Roxy. Yes. All right, there we go. Yeah, good. I like you. You got a delay. It's nice. <laughs> Two second delay. But you know what? I really am. I'm not even gonna. I'm. I'm gonna splice it. <laughs> You're gonna say it. I'm gonna go the Roxy, and then I'll do some for you. We'll go hey, back, dude. Once I'm gone, I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> it's your show, man. <laughs> you know. But oh, um, so so, Mary and Faithful, and then a little while later, Tom Waits, who had a famous bungalow oh, back wow. there. Wow. Uh, he came walking by dressed all in black with a little pork pie hat. And I just, yeah. went, wow, man, I'm in a band. This is oh, cool. Fuck. Yeah. So we toured with him, came back to New York. We wound up at the Academy of Music on 14th Street, which is also gone. It's part of NYU now. Yeah. Um, 
And um, that was our last show. The, the, uh, the other guitar player, Tom Dickey, great guy, great guitar player. He went off on a solo thing. And um, so, so we, play the, uh, the, we play the Academy of Music. He leaves. We try to keep it together. We can't get any traction. Traction, okay. that's a show business term, traction. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so uh, the next thing that happens is G.E. Smith, the guitar player, who was in this, he was in the Saturday Night Not Live band for a while. He was the MD. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he was playing with Hall & Oates. Hall & Oates was managed by Tommy Mottola. So mm -hmm. we were the same manager. He left Hall & Oates. He did a record. And, he, and my band was fell apart. And he said to me, do you want to go? Uh, I'm doing a tour. Do you want to be the other guitar player? I said, yes, absolutely. So I toured the country with him opening for Squeeze. Wow. And I think it was the Tempted tour. You know, Tempted by the... That one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we did that. Um, I did that. We came back to New York. And then I sort of was you know, hanging up, trying to figure out what to do next. I was like a bike messenger for a while. Wow. And not a very good one, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I had, I, I would take an up first thing in the morning and then I would, I would like, like a, a Benzie, you know, a, a Benny as they did. Yeah. And then I would have a cigarette thing full of like joints. And, and, and every once in a while I would deliver a package. <laughs> <laughs> which was interesting so 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 that's that was that there was that in between so what do we do next right yeah i became, I became friends uh I'll, I'll cut it even shorter carol was working at a famous um uh, management company called Lieber krebs they managed aerosmith ted nugent you know humble pie so humble pie was oh, one of my wow. favorite bands yeah. she introduced me to steve marriott i became friends with steve john Waite came from uh, it was in a band called the babies yeah so he moves to new york somebody from chrysalis thought we'd be good together and we started writing and hanging out. So um, we became friends. So there was those two things. And then one day Carol said, Carol called me uh, and said, because uh, Joan and her manager, Kenny, mm -hmm. uh, before we did the Isle of Rock and Roll record, she had bad reputation. And they kind of had like a space up at Lever Krebs. They let them, you know, work, right, you know, up there because they were friends right. with, with Steve Lieber and, and David Krebs. Mm -hmm. And Carol became friends with Joan. And one day um, when Carol came, she said, you know Joan Jett? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. I saw the Runaways at CBGB's. Yeah. And John says, what's CBGB's? <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I get to know it again. No, yeah. yet. no go on. <laughs> and and uh, um, she said, you want to you wanna go down and play with her? And I didn't even know why. I said, yeah, sure. So I went out and I played. You know, I didn't know the backstory yet, but um, I went in, I played, I joined the band. Um, Eric wow. Amble was before me, wonderful guy, amazing producer, great guitar player. He left the band. Okay. I, we did the I Love Rock and Roll record. Wow. Yeah. And, and and we did that. So I was in that band for 10, 10 years, maybe 10 and a half years. And then I did a VH1 special with her in 98, maybe. Oh, I joined the band in 81. You know, I was with her for a bunch of records and we toured yeah. the world. It was unbelievable experience. I love Joan to death. She's, you know, besides being, you know, a rock and roll icon and being amazing. She's, a, she's just great, great to hang out with. I mean, we just had a really great time. Yeah. I left that band, um, and I, I did. I did, had a publishing deal with Sony. Did so. I did songwriting. Nice. Um, that went well. <laughs> <laughs> that was a show business roll of the eyes. Yes, <laughs> that was. It was like a Sid, Caesar, a Sid Caesar thing. Um, <laughs> and we did. Um, so I went out. Roger Daltrey, uh, my friend uh, who lives out in L.A., Gerard McMahon, was producing Roger Daltrey. He said. We're doing a record. You want to be the guitar player? Yes. Nice. So we did a, a record. We did half of it in New York, half of it in uh, Abbey Road in England. Oh wow! So okay. then we did a radio tour around the country. We did Letterman. We did um, Regis and Kathy Lee. Wow. And, and Regis wasn't there that day, but 
Dickie Smothers was. What? That, that was pretty what cool. luck. I know. Yeah. And um, and then we did um, David, uh, uh, what's his name? Dennis Miller. Oh, nice. Oh, the HBO show? No, his his nighttime show. Oh, the first one? That he yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm that... talking like 93. Wow, that's crazy. That's when awesome. that ended, I went out. Ian Hunter called me from Mata Hoopa, which was another of my favorite bands. And he said, "Do you, um, I'm doing a my usual yearly tour of Scandinavia and uh, England. Do you want to be on it? We'll we'll pick up like a, a we have a Swedish band on you know waiting for us." Wow. Um, and and I said absolutely. So I did that, and then I came back to New York, and and it took a long time for me to figure out what I wanted to do next and what I sounded like. Right. And I, I put together a couple of bands, you know, I, it was like, it was kind of like, like, you know, bad stones. Like I couldn't, I wasn't there yet. Like I couldn't figure sure. out, it's like a comedian trying to find out who he is. Yeah. First, he's know? a little bit of Lenny Bruce. He's a little bit of this. And then after a while, if he's lucky, he finds out who he is. Absolutely. Yeah. You find is. your voice, but you had been so experienced at that point. Did you, did you get, uh, did it feel like starting over for you? Um, no, because I did get clean uh, in, and we didn't even talk about that. I got clean in, in um, uh, 87, September 25th, 87. Okay. You know? okay. So once I was in recovery, I thought differently. Right. And I, and I thought like, what's around the corner as opposed to what's around the corner, you know? <laughs> it's like, what's around the corner, man? Come yeah, on, let's yeah. see what's next. And, and I just kept trying to figure out what I sounded like. And, and finally, I did a record. Um, I mean, I did one live record from the Bitter End with Simon Kirk from Bad Company. Nice. I was playing acoustic. I had my no oh, band, wow. no, my no band, no headaches tour for a while. Uh -huh. But um, <laughs> I was playing acoustic. But I did a thing with Simon Kirk and Kasim Sultan, who played with Utopia. Yeah, played with Meatloaf. May he rest in peace. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and uh, so I did that. We That's put that. Two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think you're only allowed three. I need it. Yeah. If I do one more, I got to uh, Dalvin or something. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm half Italian. My dad was Italian too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm both. I'm uh, completely beautiful. It, it depends on what the situation is. I go right into Joe Pesci. It's easy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Italian. I'm, I'm born in Brooklyn. People either think I'm Jewish, which I don't care. Like I'm just like whatever. I grew up in Brooklyn. It's the same. We're all on the same block. Uh, or, but I'm also a quarter English, which no one. I mean, I don't ever have to say it Dude, because you're not no going to believe this. What? My grandparents, my, my father's father was English. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. And his, Look at that. And his father before that actually came from England, but they were, they were here for, you know, forever. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I'm still that trying to find out where in England they came from. Are you, are you, are you going to do the 23andMe thing? Nah. I know. That's creepy, right? I'm going to just pick a really cool part of London and tell people that's where <laughs> part of England. You might as well. well no one's dude, ever going to know. What are they going to do? Check? Yeah, exactly. Right. You know. if, if somebody walks up behind you and plucks your hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're a keeper. So um, so, so uh, um, it took a while. I did, and then I did the um, I did the Lifer record in 2013. That was mm -hmm. straight up rock and roll. Right. And then through a series of events, uh, of events, starting with a song called Broken is a Place, which is on the Clean Getaway record, which came out in 2013. 17, mm -hmm. um, I started writing recovery songs. Nice. Be why? Because I put Broken is a Place online and I started getting responses from all over the world from people that are either struggling with addiction or in recovery. Right. So I, I said, well, this is interesting. And I started writing more. And once I had about six or seven, I, um, I called up a treatment facility. I knew somebody that was uh, worked there. And I said, what if I came in 
and did a recovery music group. And I just adored doing it. And I've, I've been doing stuff like that, obviously not the last two years, but I've been doing recovery events just like this. Yeah. Um, and I've been going around the country, you know, either keynote speaker at recovery things or doing recovery music groups where I sit there with my guitar and I play this catalog of songs from two records, you know, that talk about addiction, recovery, hope, yeah. inspiration. Um, and I bring a stack of records uh, to give to the clinical directors to say, you know, give them to the, to the clients when they're, um, nice. you know, complete their treatment. Right. Right. Cause they were asking me, where do I, how do I get this music to take home? Which is why I did the records. Right. Cause they kept yeah. asking me, how do I take this money home? Sure. It's all tied together. <laughs> and then I went to, and then I, then I went to, um, I got certified a couple of years ago as a recovery coach and as a drug and alcohol counselor. Uh, I haven't, I, I hadn't had a chance to really put a lot of it to use. I was a counselor for a few months before the pandemic. You know, I would like to do recovery coaching, and I think I'd be really good in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, how therapeutic is it for you to do these things? I mean, like when you were writing the recovery songs, was it hard? Did it bring you back? Did it make you think too much about those times, or did it feel like you nah. were making progress? I, I think you know, I'm 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 clean and sober over 34 years now, so right. I would write. I'm writing from experience, but not only mine. I'm writing from experience that when I go into a room, I mean, listen, you're a comedian. When you go into a room, you talk to people. Don't you get bits from that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when I listen, when I, my, my, my recovery music groups are kind of interactive. I ask questions, they say stuff and my nice. make mental notes of it. And then I write a song about that particular That's thing. That's awesome. And, and some of yeah. it's me, but some of it's just a song, you know, not everything's it's like, you know, I say stuff about, uh, you know, mentioned shooting up or something like, I didn't do that. Like, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. But you know, yeah. yeah. But so I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to, um, I'm trying to make people identify with the music, laugh, cry, or think hopefully, I mean, the reason I keep doing it is I get these wonderful responses from around the world, from people that have the record and say, like, I wanted to use last night. I listened to, the, you know, Just Like You or what, what song, you know, and I, and I said, I'm going to put it off till tomorrow. Because right? that's what we do. We put it off till tomorrow, right? Yep. And um, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm loving it. I'm hoping that this uh, coming out of this, things are getting better. I'll be able to hit the road again and do recovery music groups. Absolutely. Me going out with a band. Like I'm working on new music. It's not yeah. going to be a recovery music. There'll be positive stuff on there. Right. I've been holding a lot of stuff in for the last couple of years about this country and stuff. I hear you, man. And and I want to write stuff. You know, I'm writing some songs about that. I wrote something about the pandemic, you know. Nice. Some of it's funny, you know, my sure. style. You know, it's all rock and roll. And then, um, but what I love to do, but I can't see myself putting together, anything that happened, but putting together a band. First of all, it's way expensive and going, I don't even know what going on the road means anymore. And, and um, I can so, tell you a little, but no, <laughs> it's, I, not, I it's not great. That. No, but I, I love this. See, one of the things I get to, well, I, I travel with this recovery stuff. So that's amazing. Right. But also, I, like I said earlier on, uh, uh, it seems like three days ago, by the way, um, is, is that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'm gonna have to shave again. Once <laughs> we're gonna switch, I just is gonna get longer, and you're gonna look like me. Yeah. So, so um, I get asked to do these events, right? Mm. Which pulls me to different parts of the country. Yeah. For like a three days max. Nice. So I get to hang out with a band. Yeah. You know, eat a cheeseburger on the bed in the hotel room. You know, yeah, with yeah. No, and we have ketchup on my t-shirt. Nobody says right. anything. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I and then I come home. Um, and, but I, one thing I do, you know, so, so we got, we got working on new music, getting back to doing the recovery music groups, maybe being a recovery coach, you know, if I, nice. if, if I get a, a call from somebody that I, that I 
I, like I said, I'd like to aim at the entertainment business because I have a lot of experience with going on the road, high stress stuff. It's, I would love to talk to you more about that kind of stuff, too, because I don't want to do it necessarily on air. Or we could, but my, I had a very, very close friend of mine who was a um, singer, songwriter, could play any instrument you handed her right from the get-go, right. um, passed away two years ago now oh. um, from addiction. And uh, oh. But we were trying to figure out, my friends and I were trying, but it was before the pandemic hit, um, and we were trying to figure out what to do, like because we don't know how to start like a non you know what I mean? But like we were like, we really love to do this, but for people who are you know, in the entertainment industry and maybe surrounded by that kind of shit nonstop and don't have health care or the money. We didn't know how to set any of that stuff up. Well, listen, Music Cares is a good organization. They're, the, the, they're like the recovery wing of the Grammys, right? Yeah. yeah. They help get people into treatment. Wow. So they're easy to find. Okay. Um, I'm going to actually um, be, one of the things I'm going to be working with is this new uh, platform called All Sober. All sober. Okay. Yeah, and I'm wait. You know, we're, we're, nothing's science sealed and delivered yet, but but they haven't even launched yet. Sometime in March, maybe. And it's going to be this really great. There's a lot of confusion. You just mentioned it. Yeah. There's yeah. A, like information. Like I get it's calls overload. From, I get calls from parents. You know, once every week or two, uh, my son's really in trouble because I'm yeah. not. I'm not anonymous with my recovery. I'm anonymous with how I do my recovery, but not that I'm sober. Right. Um, and, and, you know, do you, do you know of a good treatment facility? This, you know, and I always call a friend who's in that side of it. But this is going to be a one stop uh, where it has all treatment facilities all over the country. Nice. You know, I guess in, what, what insurance they take, like um, it's going to have an ins inspiration. That's what we need. You know, it's going to have this, that, the other um, phone numbers for all the hotlines and yeah. this, you know, and maybe 12 step meetings and, and where you could find them and this stuff. One place. You know, and they and they asked me to be like an ambassador. Nice. Um, so that'll be good, and 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 sort of go on their on, be, on their behalf and do maybe do the, my recovery groups on their behalf around the country. So I'm you know I'm happy. I've been I'm like everybody else. I've been sitting here like with my motor running for the last yeah two years. Did it change the way the way you wrote creatively, being like locked inside that kind of stuff? Well, I didn't touch my guitar. Uh, once Sobering Times was finished, I got into this promotion mode where I was doing interviews. Mm -hmm. It takes me a while once I finish writing songs to even pick the guitar up again because I'm oh. empty, bro. Sure. Yeah. I, I got nothing. I don't, you know. So yeah. what it does, it's, uh, maybe a month or two goes by and I start by maybe picking up a guitar and sitting on the couch and putting on a like a John Lee Hooker record and just jamming along. Nice. That's how I start. Okay. And then little by little, I start channeling ideas, you know. I'll play some chords and a melody will come to me and, mm. and then this and this. Oh, well, look at this, a song. How's that? Where'd that come from? <laughs> you know, um, and, and I, I, I made a conscious decision, although I did, I just, I just did write a recovery song called Just Out of My Reach, which is interesting. But I'll save that for something else. Cool. I won't put it, I'm going to be doing singles. Let's, let's just say that. I don't oh, know if I'm going to do a whole full album. But that's smart because I feel like that's what everybody picks up now is a single. Yeah, I, I mean, I spend a lot of time and money doing a full record, and people listen to like the first three songs, and not not the people in recovery, right? They do, but but the the general public might not even get past the first three songs, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll try doing singles. So that's what I'm, that's my that's where I am right now with that, and and other than that, um, uh, you know, I've watched every um, Netflix show you could think of. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Maisel's great. That's a good. That's a good throwback uh, comedy show. Tom uh -oh. watches it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a big fan of it. Yeah. We we just finished. You know what's interesting? And we have to go back because I missed the whole year. I missed season two. I watched one, and we watched three. 
He just okay. started me on it, and I and, and, and we, I, uh, and we, we, yeah, and Lenny's in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I started and, watching the first season, which is nice. And they said they're going to get hardcore with Lenny, like he's going to get sick at some point, you know. Oh, they they are going to do that. Well, I I read that. I don't know if it's oh cool. I read it, in, but but um, she's great. Everybody, Susie, her manager is amazing. Yeah, and just the clothing. And Kevin for somebody who, who loves, oh, Kevin, yeah, of course, Fucking, he's amazing. Every, all the whole thing, the whole family. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I missed season two where I hear she goes to the Concord. See? Yes. Oh, that, was her, that. that was the whole season. I'm not there yet. Oh, so I, I love, I just, you know, I, I just love that, you know, that whole business. So we've been watching that. I'm a Marvel music, uh, Marvel music. I'm a Marvel fan. Um, so he's I watch, you know, whenever there's a new Marvel movie. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I like DC. Like, you know, started watching yeah. Lois and, and Clark or whatever it's called. Not yeah. Lois. Oh, Clark. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not too bad. You the know what bums one. me out about that show is that it's just I can't wrap my head around Superman taking orders from his human wife. You know what I mean? Like when they when they make it into like a you know like a like a I'm such a shit. But like when they when they make it into like a sitcomy kind of like you know where it's like he can lift fucking mountains, he can spin time, and she's like, make sure you're home for. I'm like, fuck off. Did you do the like, dishes? Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm like, oh, I don't need to. You I mean, know, let me do, ask you a question. Because this is just us, right? Nobody's listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I the only person that, you know, he's got two kids on the show? I know, right? Do, do, yeah. do, you, do you ever think, like, in, in your in your sick mind, like, <laughs> how did he have sex? Like, what was that like? Like, yeah. what's not going on down there, you know? Not only just the sex, but, like, when the he man comes, steel, how does he not I mean, blow out the back of, like, how does she not, like, ripped through, like, just as he finishes? <laughs> I, I yeah I mean I know everybody gonna... everybody must think of that at one point yeah know? yeah one hundred percent yeah there's no way he's controlling the, the the speed at which his sperm comes out of his head. <laughs> there's no way there's no way just but, the just the just the whole physical aspect of it is yeah. is like you know nothing about his powers bothers me more than he's allowed to fuck a human person <laughs> and it's yeah, fine it's a little disturbing. Yeah, exactly. Again, going back in time, moving the moon if he needs to, you know, that whole the shit. laser like, eyes. I like the yeah. laser eyes. Like, makes sense. Everything makes sense. But no, you are not allowed to fuck a reporter. I, I thought Daily was, what was interesting is how one of his kids has a little bit of his powers. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jordan, I think, right? Yeah, and you know what? We watched, like, like a bunch of them, and we kind of got bored and moved. I think that's what happens. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't really commit to one yeah. series. I like I watch like eight of them, and I'm like, okay, what else? Unless it's something like fucking like really really good, like you know what I mean, like where you can't put it. Like Ozark, I blew through yeah, I that shit. That yet. Oh, yeah. you gotta watch Ozark. Ozark's phenomenal. I, Ozark's I like watching. I love watching. Um, um, like what's the? Ch- I have the one channel that has all the the oh Disney Channel has all the Marvel stuff. Oh Disney Plus, yeah, yeah. Marvel shit is great. You know what I'd like? Because oh, we were talking, you said you accidentally said Marvel music. Would you like to score one? And if you could, what song haven't you seen? And because James Gunn does a great job of the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, right? The seventies, yeah. a little bit of the eighties. But like you ever watching and you're like, oh, why don't they use this song? Oh God, no, I never thought of that, but I'm going to now. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. I see. Now I want to know. Cause we talk anyway. So now if you, if you're watching that and you're like, they should have used this yeah. song here because I would love to fucking score one of those movies with a, like a great, like put together a little playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's galaxies is the one because he listens to old stuff. Yeah. The, the thing that I, I I try to explain to my, my daughter who's 20, cause she, I'm lucky I have a, a daughter that likes baseball and um, Marvel movies. Nice. It probably won't be for long though. I could see that I'm losing her with that. <laughs> it's um, so sad. But um, it is a little sad. Yeah. But I'll watch it by myself. I don't mind watching it by myself. Yeah. Is is um, I said you don't understand what it's like for a guy like me 
that collected comic books so obsessively when I was a kid mm -hmm. to see these people come to life. Yes. And not like 1970s, like the Hulk with right. Joe Bixby. And Which was great. Horrible. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was great then. Yeah, then, but yeah, you're right. When you see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, yep. and Thor, and, and like these, these yeah. special effects, and I'm like, you don't understand. It's like, absolutely. Yeah, somebody that can focus on comic books. You know? And not only that, man, I used to get made fun of for that kind of shit when I was a kid because it wasn't cool, man. I used to watch the X Men on, on Saturday mornings. Um, and what the, what the fuck? The Fantastic Four, the Iron yeah. Man cartoon, Spider Man animated series cartoons. Everybody used to be like, that's fucking terrible, you know, blah, 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 you suck, you know, the whole thing, because they all like sports. And I, I I did not like it, but I was just like, this is my this is my sports. Well, I'll tell you two things. Yeah. That band Susan I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. We were in an issue of Stan's Soapbox. No way. Stanley's wow. Soapbox. And I wish I could find out, like, find it. It was a big deal for, I probably, it's, I had probably have it in the bin, but I didn't mark it. That yeah, is cool. uh, uh, rock band Susan came up to visit Stan, you know, and so that was like huge, right? Oh my god! And and the other thing was, um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, the eighties, the eighties were so rough for me. <laughs> um, it's funny because when I'm on stage and if I forget something, that's my go-to line, <laughs> and it always gets that same um, pathetic laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking great! Yeah, but but um, that was it. like, I love seeing that because everybody watches that shit now. It's the cool you can't escape it, and every Hollywood A-list actor is involved. Yeah, and and um, I know what I was gonna say. When I was on tour with Susan, mm -hmm. there was a there was a comic book stand on 14th Street. Okay, like this little old lady that sold, and she, every week she would get all the new, you know. And I would, and Carol, I, I would make Carol go down there, like I was on the road, and say, okay. I got six Marvel titles and four DC titles and she would mail, she would like somebody was coming on tour. She would bring them to me in like a Brown, you know, not Shane Carroll, like whoever was coming out. Yeah. And a Brown, and I would have them on the road with me. It's a little that's pathetic. Isn't it pathetic? No, but it's no, that's, that's love. That's now I know why you married her. That's love. <laughs> I mean, didn't you just like the smell of the comic books? And yeah, just the... I still have, dude, I have, I have cases of that shit. I mean, it's, I, I love the old ones from the eighties, the Marvel team ups. Spider-Man yeah, yeah. was my favorite. You know when when Batman got dark, uh, I, I got I lost a little. When he got really e when he kind of got evil. Yeah, I know what you mean. When you he, know, when I, he, yeah. I wasn't thrilled. And and by the way, if I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this over the edge, I have all my baseball cards too. Oh, nice. Okay, wow. here, here's here's two things that nobody knows. All my comics are in in individual plastic Rappers. sleeves. Yeah. Yep, mine too. <laughs> oh shit! One hundred percent. And I have about five ring books filled with baseball cards in you know yeah the plastic yeah. so it started out like this like i collected them when i was a kid and then somewhere in the 80s i got nuts again <laughs> and there was a place on 14 again on 14th street and this mm -hmm. may be the 90s and a guy sold them and you would sit on like a freaking milk carton and you would just go through them wow you know but i have all my original ones and i have all these other ones when i got obsessed again and um i would just so it started out just Yankees. Yeah, yeah, I had the yeah. '69 Mets and all that stuff, but it started yeah, out yeah. just Yankees, and then it was anybody that ever was a Yankee, where they went after they were a Yankee. So like they started, they yeah, started right. the whole, you know, the boundaries started to expand. Right? Yeah, and now I just got all these, and I'm like, what am I going to do with these things? Like, you know, I'm going to pass away, and my kid's going to throw them out. <laughs> 
Like what happens on my baseball cards? You know, some of them, some of them might still be worth money. I know some stuff isn't, and I've started to open stuff no, that no, I noticed. No, most of them never... are not. I mean, I have a real, a couple of real, a couple of Mickey Mantle ones. I got a couple. Oh, of nice. Oh, I have, I have a Willie. Get this. Mm -hmm. I have a Willie May card. Like it was a misprint. They oh left wow. The S off it. That's that's huge, dude. That's, that's cool. it might not. Yeah, yeah, it might be early, like fifty-three, right? Right. Wow. So, so, but the one thing that people, if they still collect baseball cards, what they don't, they'll never have again is the smell of the gum when you open up. Oh, the yeah. Package. Yeah. That horrible, hard, hard <laughs> the bazooka. Yeah. I still have, I still have an old Spider Man deck that I know has the gum in it. And the, oh with that, God. with that really weird plastic that they used to cover the cards yes. into. Yes. Yes. It's, I won't open it. It's like a it's like a fine wine. Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I'll open it when I'm <laughs> the last thing I do. With Bring me my Spider Man cards. I can't. I'm too fragile to open them. <laughs> yeah, let me just. Uh, I don't know where we are when what we're doing. We actually have to ask you the big three questions. Well, we let me let me just mention an, sure. an, uh, an observation. Hmm. And I do love Seinfeld, by the way. Speaking of observations. Oh yeah. Um, it's interesting. My daughter loves Seinfeld, but she doesn't like Curb. She thinks he's mean. Really? Um, yeah, it's a little edge curbs a little curbs a little rougher. Now I love both, mm -hmm. but I see myself in Larry David so much the older I get. Right. It's like yeah. when like he did that bit, like he you know, and I'm like, oh yeah. Like when people cancel on me, I'm like, oh thank God. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that and and like I hate something. Do you ever wake up and you hate you you know, you just hate the sound of somebody's voice? And oh just, my god. Yeah. Yeah. Time. So, like, I feel myself turning a little bit like that. I try not to be mean, but and the other guy that I love, TV guy, is Phil Rosenthal. Who, oh who yeah. Wrote, like Rainbow he had that Rainbow. wonderful um, travel show with cooking. He seems like the yeah. nicest. Feed Phil. Feed Phil. So well, that's the thing I remember the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, two like, things about this? two things about him. He seems like a sweetheart. Yeah. And and he always had his father would tell a joke at the end. Remember? Oh his yeah. His father passed away. His parents are gone now. Right. But also, he enjoyed the. Don't you? You want to live like that? Like he would eat a food and he'd get that smile on his face. Oh yeah, that's yeah. how you have to live life. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I've ever looked at another human being the way I look at a sandwich. Like I, a good one, it's one that's made well. You may want to see somebody about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think other people should see something about that. Make me happier. Make me as happy. Well, as you live, you die, and every once in a while, you get a, a good sandwich. Exactly. See, see how I do that? Put a ribbon yeah, around the whole thing. That was beautiful. But but <laughs> Phil, he, he the way he enjoys the sandwich or whatever he's eating, he gets that smile on his face. And the other thing he shows us, which the world really needs to hear, is that we're the same goddamn people all over the world. Yeah. See, under yeah. the skin, we're the same blood and bones, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so and he makes that point. He, he makes that point every, no matter where he is. It, it's just his, his demeanor. His, his, he's just such a, he seems, look, he may be, I don't know his real, how he is in real, but in real, in real life. But he seems like. <laughs> he's a, a monster. He <laughs> seems like. Such, such a sweet, yeah. He, he seems like such a, a, a sweetheart. Okay. Here's, here's my, here's my observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you do you always wear glasses or did you wear contacts? When I was younger, I wore contacts, but okay. I always wear glasses now. I've worn contacts for thirty years on stage. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, things started to happen. Like as you as you get older, your the contacts you I could see across the room, but I couldn't see my pedal board. Right, right. You would have to carry around those like Dwayne Reed cheaters. Yep, yep. You know that would hang from your neck like you know your your aunt Sylvia. <laughs> or something. Um, and I just picked a random name. I thought Sylvia is funny, just like the thing is. 
you know, K's. I think that counts as the three Jewish things, though, because okay. Sylvia is pretty close. Yeah, I could have said Yetta. You... <laughs> or I could have said your Uncle Mario. True, very true. true. Okay, so 30 years wear contacts. The beginning of this, this pandemic, my contacts have not maybe come out of the case three times in two right. years. And I noticed by doing all these interviews, and, and I do a lot with a lot of rock, you know, rock people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not people that are rocks. I'm talking about rock people. Because <laughs> we were talking about Marvel Comics, so it could be. Could be thing. Could be thing. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. But every one of us is wearing freaking glasses. <laughs> I know. So what I'm saying is vanity has gone out. The, like, and oh, it's yeah. good. Because it's taken our egos back a step. We're all in this thing together. Yeah. Like, I would never think. Like once or twice, I tried to wear shades doing this, and I'm like, I look like a moron. <laughs> Why am I wearing shades? I'm in my basement. Yeah, everybody knows things. you're inside your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, so I just wear these. You know, this is what I look like, right? Yep. I mean, you know, I mean, I got cool. You look good. Shades and stuff now, like yeah. you know, pres prescription shades. Yeah. But but I just noticed that everybody that I do Zoom with, like people that are like, I, I know that always thought about vanity and, and rock and roll and ego. Everybody does these Zoom things. They all got their, their glasses on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Some of them like 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 Schumer. They wear them down here. Yep. Yeah. You know. I mean, God, if they're doing that, we have, we have a comment. We had one guy who cleaned up cat puke on, on air when we were doing an interview, and he was just like, hang on a second. One of my cats threw up. We had Carl Gottlieb adjust his pants, and I left it in because I was like, you know what? This is pure. This is honest. This is honest. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing a Stone shirt. I love that. I saw that before. That was fucking phenomenal. And I got the, you know, I'm about balance. I'm about balance in recovery. So behind me, mm -hmm. you see the stones. Well, the stones are over here. Stones. You yeah. see yep. Elvis. Elvis. Yep. And in front of Elvis is my Nespresso machine, which is important. <laughs> and then you see, um, wait a minute. Where am I? Yeah. You see Muddy Waters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then you see the Serenity Prayer. Oh, nice. So, so there's yeah. my balance. Balance. Beautiful. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask you the big three questions that we got for every guest at the end of the show. Pastrami or corned beef? Um, go. That's a good uh, question. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, first one is fatty go... or lean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first one is if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? If I could go back in time. Well, read the fine print. Okay. I think that would have helped. Smart business move, yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know, man. I, I maybe I would have maybe I would have taken a shot one night and, and showed up at a at a, at a a club and tried to stand and up in front did of people. Some and stand -up. Nice, yeah. because I mean, you know, obviously I have a good sense of humor. And, yeah. You know, and 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 um, when I do my acoustic stuff, I will do. I, I'm not. I'm, I don't do comedy, but right, I mean, right. but like you do banter somebody, between. Yeah, like I yeah. steal stuff. Like like somebody, I hear people chatting. I'm like, you go to the movies, you talk back to the screen, you know, <laughs> danger field, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, or I do, I, I think I told you this on the phone and I get such a kick out of it. Malzi Lawrence, and I, probably every comic did this. Mm -hmm. I come into the room, I go to the lighting guy. I said, look, at some point I'm going to ask for mood lighting. Don't do anything, <laughs> right? So I'll get to my ballad and, and I'll say, you know, I, I have a lovely ballad now. This would be great if I can get some mood lighting. And I stand there and I wait and I in my head I count mm -hmm. and then I go that's perfect <laughs> right? and and I get laughed see yeah that's, and that's I know I knew exactly where you were going but it's beautiful it's a and great to setup me, that is like like and like, that's playing the straight man and the comedian and that makes my heart beat faster to get a laugh you know so yeah yeah uh, read the small print or the fine print 
um, and and maybe I would have taken a shot and tried to do a little comedy. I don't know. I don't have I don't have many regrets. I I, I wish I didn't hurt you know people along the way if I did. Oh sure. But you know everything that I've done, you know my drugs and alcohol and my you know goofy stuff, all led up to now. You know right. it's all part of the the journey. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's the point of having regrets? Because you can't do anything about it anyway. Absolutely. Got to keep plowing ahead. Um, the second question is, what had to end in your life in order to wind up where you are today? Well, obviously, uh, drinking and drugging had to end up. End. I fi- I know. Yeah, I was going to say that's, yeah. It could have been yeah. good or bad, though. Well, um, I, I'm a lucky guy that I took to it. Mm-hmm. There are people that don't yeah. ha- have multiple recoveries, like they, they, they pick up after a while or this and that. I fell in love with um, community support group meetings, I'll say here live, you know, without yeah. giving anything away. Um, I just love the fact that I could walk into a room. My first one that I went to, my first meeting uh, that somebody took me to in 87, you know, it was the 80s. We just did like the hate myself for loving you video. I had like lo- hair down to here and up to there. Right. I walked into this and nobody looked like, you know, I looked like I just came off the road. <laughs> but And so I said, well, what am I? what do I have to do with any of this? But when I started sharing, mm-hmm. I identified with it. like, Oh, wait a minute. I, I, I feel like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That. And I stuck around and I just love going to, I still go to them. I go to zoom community support group meetings, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that, um, that was something that, that was a, that was a big change. And, and also I learned more about, well, once I got clean and sober, then I started being more of a businessman. Right. See, so they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And I started definitely. like, you know, not doing stupid stuff that I did. And the other thing that's really in love, one of the most powerful things that I've, I've gotten out of recovery uh, in all this time is, I don't know how you are, but like when, when I don't get something that I really want, like, like a gig or something in the old days, you would panic, you would have fear, you would be mm-hmm. pissed, it'll be angry. And, and most of the time, now, this all depends on how hard I'm working my recovery, if I'm leaning right. into it, right? Um, I have a thing that I believe that, um, uh, high, whatever you want to call it, higher power, right. uh, has something different, for, something else for me. Yeah. Not necessarily better or worse, but okay, I didn't get this, but that must mean there's something else out there for me that sure. I'm supposed to be doing. That's and a good that's, way to think. That's really powerful. It took a long time. Yeah, and and once again, if I'm not working some sort of a program, then I'm like, you know, right, right, right. I really wanted that, you know. Yeah, but um, so so that's that's powerful, and um, and all that came from that one change. All these things came from that one change. Right. You know, that's awesome, man. Um, and I get to help, and I get to help people. I have, to, I get to be of service since I have some time. I get to help other people that are struggling, and service makes you feel better, also. Absolutely. You want to think about it selfishly. First and of as all, an artist, we should be because, doing. Yeah, we should be doing that anyway. That's what the. That's why we're here. Absolutely. But but um, but um, be. It it one of the things you learn is by doing service, um, it it makes you you feel better and it and it keeps you away from that stuff. You know, because when right. you're helping people, you feel better about yourself. See, and for, first of all, it's a distraction. It takes you out of your own shit, as they say. But you're helping somebody. It makes you feel better about yourself. And then when you feel better about yourself, you want to hurt yourself less. Yeah. And as an artist, too. There's all self-loathing in there. Like, addiction's all about self-loathing. Right. And as an artist, like, it makes you feel good to be able to use your talent for something other than self-preservation. And, you know, yeah. Let me tell Um, you something. Doing these songs and seeing the reaction from people. 
Right. Like in recovery as a songwriter, brilliant. As somebody in recovery, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And I got one more question for you, and then we got uh, we got a piece out. The last question is: If this was a real dystopia, talking alien zombies, comet headed toward Earth, uh, how would you want to go out? What's the, your epic death? What's my epic death? Yeah, how would you want to go out? <laughs> I like that reaction. The best. yeah, that was great too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's leave on let's leave on a high note. <laughs> no, it is a high note. This is what this is what your album is going to be drawn as. We have an artist do it. What is how would you want to? What badass way would you want to be going out? Well, I guess. Uh, you know, it's cliched to say, you know, you want to go, you hear somebody that, that has a heart attack on stage or something like that. Or, and, and, and somebody says, you know, or Carol will say, Oh, that's so horrible. I'm like, yeah, but you know, if you got to go, man, you want to go out playing hitting, your music. Hitting a big E chord. That's cool. Yeah. That's or, or, tell, hitting- or telling it, you know, like uh, for you, it's like, uh, three guys walk into a funeral home. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's gonna be my last one. Yeah, um, dude. And, and then you know, there's that there's that minute where people go, maybe this is part of the bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one calls nine one one right away. Yeah, it's like, like so your stroke sticks. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So I mean, I I don't know, man. I I, I just no, but that's you want you want to go you want to go peacefully. Yeah, you want to go quickly. Right. You, you don't I'm want to gonna, suffer because we'll we have suffered you. enough here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so you don't want to suffer. Vaporize. We'll, we'll go with vaporized by an alien while playing the E chord. That's vaporized a nice. That's a nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice way to go. Dude, or, or, I want to think. Maybe, maybe, maybe um, uh, death by um, uh, sleeping with Supergirl. Oh, even. There better. you go. Even better. That's going to be a fun one. We to tried draw. the Superman thing. So, you know. Love it. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming she's on, man. Like, she's blast. like, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Your heart explodes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Um, well, again, thank you so much, dude. It's been an absolute blast uh, having yeah, you on. You got to come man. back again, man. It was great. Such a pleasure, and by the man. way, lean, lean corned beef. Let me just lean, say Okay. <laughs> got it. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. I had man. a great time. You guys were great. A lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think we have so much more to cover too. You'll definitely come back with us. Yeah. You got to come back on. Yeah. When I get some new stuff, uh, you know, when I, when I've worked on some new stuff and, and get it uh, ready Sounds for release or something like that. Perfect. Sounds good. Or, or just if you want, like, uh, like, you know, I could be like Baba Booey or something. like if you have somebody you think i would be good with right to to just do what tom's doing even perfect Perfect. to just laugh at the jokes even if they suck and and you know bring up random things right you know i appreciate that i get to tap once in a while be like i can't do it tonight right right (laughs) yeah i'm a little too sick for that all right we gotta get to another Yep, you know, take care, I, man. If it was last night, I would have said I was going to go up to watch the finale of Celebrity Big Brother, but it's over now, so I got nothing. <laughs> watch Ozark. I'm telling you, you'll love it. Is it isn't that, a, is, is it? Is that about drugs? What's that about? Um, yes, it is. Yeah, but it also, saying... but about a family that yes. that, family. that does money laundering. So it's a little bit, a little bit of everything. Oh, good. So it's the American success story. Oh, good. Exactly. Right. And Jason you know, Bateman. You, you from, can't send uh, away. You can't send away for these. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Malzy Lawrence. Let's end it with that. Malzy Lawrence. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Have a great night. Take care, man. Peace. See you later, brother. Dystopia tonight.